do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestsellers, all they're hyped up to be. The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 42 of the Terrible Book Club. This time we read Betrayed House of Night number two by Kristen Cast and PC Cast. I'm Chris and this is Paris. Hello. Paris, I hurt myself today again <laughs> to see if I still feel. Yeah, just see if you still feel like throwing a book across a room. Uh, <laughs> yep. This you is know, a sequel to something we've read before. Yeah, um, so if you have not read episode two, so 40 books ago, <laughs> we read... <laughs> yeah, the, wow. Holy shit. 40 books ago, we read the first book uh, in the House of Night series by Kristen and PC Cast. Uh, that book was called Marked. So, um, you know, three and a half years later, we decided to read the second book in the series, uh, largely because we remember how horrible that first book was, um, and also because we've had uh, we've had some listeners ask us to read this. Uh, specifically, I know uh, Haley, Twitter handle Cowgirl Bookworm, uh, I know you asked for this a few months ago. So Terriblo heard your prayers and implanted the idea in our minds, so I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, before we get going, just want to do a little content warning because we're trying to be better about that. So be advised, this episode contains discussion and descriptions of alcohol, alcoholism, bombs, blood play, car accidents and drowning, cutting, kidnapping, masturbation, and some mild violence. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is like a book for preteens, but somehow all of that ended up in there. I mean, so. you know, you, you want serious topics dealt with in your young adult literature, perhaps, and they are not dealt with in a good way in this book. <laughs> no, that's true. I was so. going to say, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, you want to prepare kids for the real world, and I think you got to talk to them about some really, like, real serious topics, but, uh, yeah, this book doesn't do a good job of, of that at all. Um, I'm going to, so, uh, again, if you haven't listened to episode two of the Terrible Book Club, where we read Marked, which is the first book in the House of Night series, um, you should just go back and listen to that episode. I mean, you don't have to, but, like, it's probably a good idea just to get a general sense Look, of what's I'll going on. Look, I'll just, like, lay it out real easy for everyone that doesn't want to listen to that uh, about what this book series is about. Uh, Twilight Harry Potter. That's all you got to worry about, okay? Is if you can mash those two concepts <laughs> yeah. together and, like, poorly, kind of like when you, like, mash two things together and, like, the crumbs get all over the floor, so what you end up with is, like, way less material than what you started with. Yeah, like... That's what this is. Like, when you're trying to cram together two colors of Play-Doh, but, like, they don't really merge. Yeah, that's that's what's happening. Um, all right, this is the summary for this book. Uh Fledgling vampire Zoe Redbird has managed to settle in at the House of Night finishing school. She finally feels like she belongs, even gets chosen as the leader of the Dark Daughters. Best of all, she actually has a boyfriend. Or two. Then the unthinkable happens. Human teenagers are being killed, and all the evidence points to the House of Night. 
While danger stalks the humans from Zoe's old life, she begins to realize that the very powers that make her so unique might also threaten those she loves. Then, when she needs her new friends the most, death strikes the House of Night, and Zoe must find the courage to face a betrayal that could break her heart, her soul, and jeopardize the very fabric of her world. Betrayed, the second book in the House of Night series, is dark and sexy and as thrilling as it is utterly shocking. It's none of these things, actually. No, it's none of these things. <laughs> it's none of also, these things, actually. Do you, love how, do you love how it's like, death strikes near the House of Night, then death strikes in the House of Night. <laughs> like, yeah. just in Uh-oh. the synopsis alone. It's like, Jesus. Um, it so, pretty much lays out everything that happens in the book right there. Like, honestly, you could read that synopsis and probably move on to the next book with, like, maybe an extra <laughs> hint or two as to who died or who didn't. Yeah, I mean, so, so the unique thing about this series is that it's written by a mother and daughter writing duo, which is weird in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, I oh, certainly... I mean, come on, you know, you're looking for a bonding activity with your daughter. You both enjoy writing? Both why, enjoy blowjobs. Why, why not, right? Like, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess, talking about you know... talking about hot guys all the fine. time, because guess what, like, 20% of the content of this book is? It's a gaggle of high school-age girls talking about who's the cutest. Yeah, it's, uh, I just can't imagine ever writing anything like this with another, even with, like, a friend of mine, never mind a family member, like, I don't know, it's just, it's weird. I don't want to write with some, I don't want to co-write a blowjob with somebody, like, there's just something <laughs> weird about that, like. Solo write, operations yeah, only, write. you have a singular vision when it comes to yeah, this stuff. Yeah, man. You don't want to taint it with, like, art done by committee. No, just... and you don't want to, you don't yeah no listen world there's a right way to write blowjobs <laughs> yeah and you know what that way no is a terrible book club my way. Vision. uh all right so the book the, uh the second book here drops us off a month after the first book ends and uh zoe is the main character zoe redbird she has her best friend stevie ray and then uh the twins shawnee and erin and damien the token gay friend shawnee is token black friend um, and then you have, so like the four of, four of them, can I count five of them? The five of them are, you know, the little friend circle at the vampire school or whatever. And I don't know, a bunch of shit happens. Like right at the beginning, it's like parents night and Zoe's. That's basically an excuse for Zoe's parents to show up and be shitty. So yeah. it can reestablish that Zoe doesn't like her parents, but she likes her grandma. And yeah. That, that's really the whole reason for that <laughs> scene. There's a couple of things where, like, Damien's parents like him and support him, and Aphrodite's parents don't like her no, and are kind of mean to her. Damien's parents don't support him. They want to make him straight, so they give him a 10, oh. remember? Because the, oh. because the way to being straight is to go camping. That yep. is, that <laughs> is what that. you I'm do. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, it's really, like Chris is saying, it's really just, like, an excuse for all the characters' parents to show up and for Zoe to be like, well, my parents are dumb. Uh, and... <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> because her dad is just like super religious. Oh, her stepdad. But still, step you know, loser. Yeah, step loser, Chris. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. The- but I don't know why he bothered to go to the vampire school then if he's so concerned about all the blaspheming well, going on. and also, okay, also, can we, I, I wrote a note for this to talk about later, but since it's coming up now, yeah, like, so Zoe's mom and her stepdad come and the stepdad starts getting into an argument with the head of the vampire school about how it's blasphemy and and basically like bullshit, you know, not doesn't use that word. And the head of the vampire school is like, all right, dude, you decide now, like either you're going to shut your mouth, or you're going to get out of here and never come back. And so he leaves. But like, first of all, who walks into someone else's 
like house of worship or whatever and just starts shitting all over it and second like how can the humans really be shitting all over this when it's obviously magic and supernatural like their kids are having tattoos spontaneously appear on their body and like they're literally casting fucking spells and and yet people are still like this is bullshit this isn't real like i just don't (laughs) Um, get it i I wanted to ask you this is kind of a sidebar question right here but like while we're on the topic of spells here for a second and like how unreal they can be there is a part in this book where there's a dewey decimal section for rituals and spells and I don't know if that's a real thing or not. Well, I mean, if if it's a book, it's going to be in a library. Therefore, it's going to be subject to the Dewey Decimal System. But it's a vampire library. Is there a separate vampire Dewey Decimal System? No, Paris? no, no, no. I don't think so. Uh, no. Anyway. But yeah, so and then and like this happens like shortly after this when Zoe uh, like starts spying on Aphrodite and her Aphrodite's conversation with her parents. And Aphrodite is like her arch nemesis. It's like, you know, the other bitchy blonde girl at the school who she has this weird rivalry with, whatever. She was Um, in charge of basically the student council, I guess, in the first book. The dark dark daughter. And she then was usurped by Zoe, essentially. Yeah, because Aphrodite had conjured like literal evil spirits to come and murder humans. And Zoe stopped it at the end of the last book. So, she took her place. Not and... an expulsion-worthy thing to do, apparently, at the house. Yeah, of yeah. Apparently, that's fine. You know what? You just you just lose your spot in the student council. It's like a week later or something since the, like that book ended, and she didn't really seem to get any punishment. She doesn't even like doing anything after class, or like I don't know, has to stand outside in the sunlight for an extra couple nope. hours. I don't know what a vampire punishment is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but her Aphrodite's parents are apparently even bigger dick lords than like uh you know zoe's parents they're they're awful they're like really rich people her dad is the mayor of tulsa this takes place in tulsa oklahoma all right well, did he Sorry, go like I... i'm the mayor of tulsa like yeah three yeah, times liter- or something. yeah like in his rant he's like also i am the mayor of this town like okay <laughs> dude um i'm a fucking vampire would you like eh. let's compare here yeah and and basically zoe starts to develop sympathy for Aphrodite because she's like oh I know what it's like to have shitty parents like now I kind of understand why Aphrodite is the way she is and I was like oh wow is this character actually gonna like develop into a normal person and learn something but then we short that that's that the hopes for that are dashed pretty soon. Zoe kind of defends Aphrodite and like they, they have this sort of testy friendship by the end of the book but she's totally judging her throughout the whole thing still with her friends even though she kind of defend like her friends start going like why are you defending Aphrodite all the time because because she dares to like say, "Hey guys, maybe we shouldn't be mean to her every single fucking second." Yeah, that she's brought up. Yeah, exactly. And I mean that was good, but yeah, basically, even also her parents are like, "Oh, this isn't real." Like Aphrodite, you don't have visions; those aren't real. Even though it is, it was established in the last book that Aphrodite would routinely have visions of disaster that she would then report, and then those visions would be used to save those people and prevent disaster. So like. I don't really know how these parents could be like, your visions are just silly stories. They're not real, even though you saved hundreds of people last year with them. Like, I just... Every character motivation in this book is, like, cardboard as fuck anyway, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's continue on with the, basically, the startup of this book. Um, A problem I had with the first book was that it loved to use, like, incorrect spell... Or incorrect or archaic spellings for things, and also 
created some of its own words. Um, and one of those was Jihugic, which makes its unfortunate <laughs> yeah. return in this book. It kind of, when you look at it on the page, like I was kind of like confused as to how to pronounce it when I encountered it for the first time again. I forgot what the word was supposed to be. So I thought someone just had like a weird hiccup in the middle of a sentence and went just like go or something. Yeah, I mean, that was what happened in the first book too. You were like, is it Gahayik? And I was like, no, it's Jihugic. <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's uh, which is be, a thing I've never heard, by the way. Yeah, I mean, either. It's supposed to, I guess it's supposed to be, like, gigantic and huge. Yes, supposed, It's supposed to, you know, it's hyperbole, but it's just unnecessary and stupid. Like, I, I don't think it really adds anything. Like, it's really, it's useless. Uh, yeah, after the whole parents thing. I, I think thing, it's, I, not, not to, like, kind of cut you off for a second here, but I think it's supposed to be... Uh, they want you to feel like you're in this group of teenage girls and one gay dude, I guess. Like, <laughs> oh, and one to be, black like, girl. Immersed and... in that feel, which is definitely what this book felt like to me. It was basically like, would you like to read the shitty high school girl click version of Twilight? This, it's almost like, you know, imagine you're like the kind of quiet goth kid in high school that gets really into Twilight because it's dark and edgy, unlike these other romance stories these other people read. And then, like, the popular club starts reading this series, and then it... That's how, kind of how this book feels like to me. It's like the popular click take on something that the edgy kids were doing in high school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's real weird. Um, so after, after the parents' conference, uh, Zoe, as if she doesn't have enough men problems between her current boyfriend, Eric Knight, and uh, oh yeah, that guy. And, I remember. And uh, Heath. Every dude has a fucking dumb name in this. I don't know book. Heath Ledger. I don't remember his last name. Heath Luck. That's right. Heath, <laughs> yeah, Heath Luck, Luck, which sounds like a candy bar. Like, hey man, you want a Heath can Luck? We, can, yeah. Can we take a sidebar again for a second here? Too. I, I want you to remember that Eric Knight was roommates with Jack Twist in this book, which is one million percent a gay porn. Like, come on, Jack right? Twist. Is yeah. on my list of notes, and I'm crying because <laughs> I, I saw Eric Knight and Jack Twist dormant up I, in Vampire College. I saw that name, and I was like, "Jack fucking Twist? Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> that was what you come up with? Like I just he's oh. like he's like the 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 London chimney sweep uh, <laughs> character in the gay porno. <laughs> hey, you suck your dick, come on! I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Because he's also he's supposed to be da- Damien's gay crush or whatever. Like they're yeah. they're both gay, and that's the, yeah. This book loves to talk. So they about, go together. You have to put them together because yeah. they're the two only gay characters. Uh, this book loves to talk. It, it loves to set itself up as a book that loves gay people, but really it's awful to gay people. All it does is set up all these super terrible stereotypes that like. Oh well, gay dudes are just uh, they're just women. They're not even men. Gay dudes are women. Like that no, gay dudes are not women. That's not a thing. It never has Can I been read, a thing. Uh the passage that I sent you uh over a messenger when just to point out how they have to always be pointing out how something is gay. Oh yeah, this, yeah, I got it. I got the page. I got it. Uh, I'll read it out for you. So why don't you take your favorite pair of jeans and see if you can reproduce the pattern yourself? I can't be that hard. It can't be that hard, you know, Damien said logically parentheses and very gaily <laughs> well you know what you Why? forgot i know i know it's unnecessary Why? like you don't have to add that like just because it's a, a man who likes men talking about jeans doesn't mean it, ha- it has to be in that 
kind of stereotypical hey know, guys gay guy over here did you guys see the gay guy over yeah. here look at the gay guy over here he's talking about clothing and stuff like a lady because he's a gay guy yeah did you know hey my gay friend over here look at my gay friend aren't i so cool with my gay friend that i'm nice to yep that's what the <laughs> gay characters are treated like i know it's it's real terrible you forgot the um i was hoping you would read the beginning of that so this is how the passage starts yeah, well, I want those $450 embroidered vintage jeans I saw in the new Victoria's Secret catalog. <laughs> oh, well, uh, you know. Um, okay, so question one. Does Victoria's Secret sell jeans? Do they, they do, sell, do they sell vintage jeans? Do they sell $450 jeans? <laughs> like, my I, mind I, was fucking blown by that. I was like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I don't look into that store that and often? I also don't. Like, I've only been into a Victoria's Secret twice in my life, and I don't ever remember there being jeans or anything that was $450. So, like, that really threw me. I was like, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and, like, okay, so we talked about, obviously, like, the problem in the way that that character was presented when he was saying that sentence. But let's also think about the idea there. Oh, why don't you just copy the pattern for your favorite pair of jeans? Just make a pair of jeans. It can't be that hard. Like, yeah, yeah. let me it. just become a seamstress. Let me just get right on that. Uh, let me just, just do it. Just make some jeans. Like, well, you see, he's that, that flip about it because he's a gay guy and therefore it comes easy to him because he's gay, you see. Yes, because because <laughs> when you're gay, you, you come out of the womb with like a needle and thread. This is a gay character. Just, is everyone on the same page about this? I'm, I want to make sure everyone realizes what's going on here. Much like that every time Shawnee comes up in a scene, the, the the black friend of the group, it has to be brought up that she is black and different from the group. Much like the other passage I sent you on Messenger when, okay, so Shawnee has her friend Aaron. They're the twins in the group that sort of like point out, oh, it's so funny that they call themselves the twins because one's white and one's black and they come from different parents or something. And then there's a passage later that just highlights how this has to be pointed out all the time. Here it is. None of us stated the obvious, that Erin, with her blonde hair and blue eyes, was definitely, all caps, NOT BLACK. We were too used to her and Shawnee being twin-like to question the weirdness of it. Just why why is this necessary? (sighs) And also, there are black people with blonde hair and blue eyes. Just gonna punt that out. (laughs) Yep. Um, But yeah, like, Shawnee's only purpose for existing is to just be the black girl. Like, like when she's talking about one of, uh, you know, later on the book some high school football players get kidnapped and one of them is black and she sees it on the, sees a picture of him on the news and she's like oh it's so sad when a a, a good looking brother dies or something and it's like <laughs> yeah it's yep, just super... okay yeah great good yep cool i mean it's like I, and again i'm i'm not let me try to point out the nuance of what we're saying here like of course we know that people might say something like that but the point is this character is a caricature like his character has no depth and all they do is exist just to be the token black character there is yeah it's not as though shawnee has all kinds of other things about her and then you know says you know says something that's you know perhaps marks her as as being black it's it's that's all she does it's just like and then when she's hitting on a boy she's like Oh, I hope he wants some brown sugar in his Juliet, and she shakes her ass, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, why? everything has to be like oh, that. It's so gross. Uh, 
that's our problem with anything that's not just like a white person in this book. It has to kind of be brought even like the Native American heritage oh, that they that Zoe's grandmother has a little bit. They have to like really play that up. Yeah, um, they keep repeating the Cherokee word for daughter throughout the whole book. Like that's all they do. Every time she talks to grandma, grandma's grandma says the Cherokee word for daughter, which like. I can't even pronounce super well. Uh, I tried to Yeah, get, I don't think you should even try. Yeah, I got a, a phonetic pronunciation for it, but I... No, I don't trust myself. Um, but yeah, it's just... I don't know. They beat you over the head with anything that's not white to kind and it, and it just doesn't feel genuine it feels like they're like hey look we're we're including all this stuff in our book we're so inclusive but you're not you're just painting shitty shitty cardboard stereotypes you're not doing you're not really creating characters you know like like you yeah, said well, everything's to be so fair, one dimensional it's not like the white characters are that much more in depth or anything oh no no too, of course so. not <laughs> no no the, no the they're whole- all cardboard cutouts the motivation like nothing it's all shallow. It's as shallow as you would expect a clicky group of high school girls to be, actually. Yep. So perhaps that fits with the demographic. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, moving on. So, like, after the, the parent-teacher conference thing goes south, the next major thing that happens is <clears throat> uh, Lauren Blake, vampire poet laureate and uh, part-time lecturer at the House of Night, arrives on the scene. Uh, and oh, so, yeah. so Zoe doesn't he literally just pop into like a place where Zoe is, or she just like runs into him around a corner? Uh, yeah, he just like appears in the library, I believe. Uh, yeah, but so, so here's the thing with Zoe: the first book, Zoe had problems um, trying to figure out who she wanted to date. If she wanted to stay with her human boyfriend Heath, who she had well, technically ex-boyfriend because she had recently broken up with him before the book started. Uh, or Eric Knight, the new hot guy yeah. uh, that we decided to stay, say like that because it's hilarious. Yep. Uh, By he, law now, we have to yes, say that. Yes, because way. he was always uh, written of, you know, as like super mysterious and hot. And uh, the authors love to say, oh, he looks like he looks like Superman. He looks like an old school movie star. He's, I don't know, he's got black hair and blue eyes. He's just like really stunning or whatever. And they talk about how he's the most beautiful man in the world and blah, blah, blah. And of and course... he's so romantic he's because so romantic. he does Shakespearean monologues. Yeah. And so, you know, that's like saying 400 years from now, someone is really romantic because they're reciting the King of Queens at you. Like, I mean, Shakespeare, <laughs> Shakespeare is not highbrow. It was written for the masses. And now the, fa- the famous it, monologue from uh, f- actor Jerry Stiller, the great. <laughs> of, yeah, I mean. About when he was pissed at Doug about eating the hot dogs in the fridge. Yeah, I mean, it's really now. Like, I, I just, the pedestal that people put Shakespeare on is undeserved. <laughs> it's too high. It's too high of a pedestal. Uh, it, it's just because, People, people think that they're either afraid of what they don't understand or they uh, think it's, you know, this, um, I don't know, elevated thing that's above them and, and only for really intellectual people. It's like, no, you, we just speak a slightly different version of English. That's why you can't understand it. It's not but that it's... But that makes him so romantic uh, and sexy anyway. that he learned all this these so... words by heart and he can <laughs> pronounce them in such a fun... By the way, you've now had me thinking about, like, people in the future performing, like... The Soup Nazi episode of Seinfeld yeah. on a stage or something yep. like it's like super highbrow or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly that's that's our future. <laughs> that's what we got to look forward to. The um, Ross and Rachel romance, but translated five hundred years into the future with with all their weird 
ideas about how we did stuff back you know yeah i mean yeah sorry i didn't mean to get off on a tangent there but um so you know the first book eric knight is this big deal and zoe really wants to gain his affections and she does um you know he break he doesn't want anything to do with aphrodite anymore because they were together they they were the two involved in the famous hallway of blowjobs in the first episode um scandalous you know and and so Zoe has kind of stepped into Aphrodite's life in full at this point point by book two. You know, she's taken over the Dark Daughters, that, like, school council thing. And she's also dating Eric Knight. So it's really weird when... I mean, dude, this is 30 pages into the book. This dude, Lauren Blake, arrives and Zoe just forgets about Eric Knight because he's away at this this poetry <laughs> to the bit is he's, he's away at this monologue reading competition so out of sight out of mind you know yeah. bitch, bitch gotta have somebody else to obsess over and oh this this attractive the first attractive man to to talk to her she's just oh that's all she can talk about um she says that you know he's oh he's just so go- he's the most gorgeous man she's ever seen which is something she said about Eric night before um and and you know herein herein begins uh, a series of encounters with this dude who demonstrates his lack of understanding about consent and boundaries so lauren is a part-time lecturer so i mean he's a teacher of the school but only temporarily um he's a poet laureate you know he's a bit older he's in his 20s although i don't know i don't know how vampires age but she seems to believe he's in his 20s and zoe's 16 and he just goes up to her in the library and starts like touching her face and, and reading, reading su- haikus at reading her. suggestive haikus at her. And then she runs into him in the yard at night, and he then caresses her face again, asks her to slight to partially disrobe, uh, which she complies with. And then she he shows starts- a shoulder and, and like removes a bra strap. That's how far we go here, just so everyone's and, well, on the no, same and page he, about- no, and he pulls down her shirt. So that, oh, yeah, that's so right. that oh, it's I like, about that so that it's more like you got half a boob hanging out, which she mentions, you know, your your half your arm and like part of your back, and he's just like rubbing her back and her shoulder, and this is like the middle of the night outside. They just run he into each other. He wants to see other. her tattoo because yeah. it has blossomed. By the way, I, 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 Ugh, I, anyway. quick sidebar again. I know there's a lot of these right now, but <laughs> apparently, as your vampire power goes up, you get more marked. So does that mean that like super high power vampires look like old? punks or bikers or something or like alt models i hope so that'd be great (laughs) but with really dumb shitty tattoos instead because they're like spirals and lines and that's really it and And runes i think yes and runes question mark that are never explained um and you know so he knows she's younger than him he's a teacher i mean this is just not an ethical thing to be doing um and they have like another and I, I think they have a third encounter i don't remember um oh yeah when he helps her with like the ritual later in the book but she like tries to leave after they he encounters her and he grabs her wrist and touches her face again and is like you're beautiful you've been my inspiration tonight thank you and it's like dude that's so fucking creepy and yeah he just reads haikus at her so when I was reading these parts of the book with Lauren in it, I was so annoyed that I just spontaneously wrote haikus back at him inside the book. So I'm going, okay. going to read these for you. Hit me with these, Paris. Because they print the haikus in the book that he read to her. Can, so Wait, can you actually read one of Lauren's haikus uh, first? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, just to give us the, the context of like what he was reading to yeah. Zoe. 
By the way, uh, this dude shows up for these three encounters, then he's inconsequential to the broader plot. Just oh, hope you yeah. know that. Um, <clears throat> cream and silk as one, how I long to taste and touch. The moon watches us. <laughs> That's apparently Whoa. by a real Japanese poet, I think. It is, yeah. Supposedly, I I didn't. But that's the I one. That, that's the that. first one he brings out, I think, yep. to to Zoe. Oh, and then this one, ancient queen, awake! A chrysalis not yet formed. Will your wings unfold? <laughs> I think that's a Lauren Blake original too. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and then oh, <clears throat> alluring priestess, night can't cloak your scarlet dream. Accept desires call. <laughs> that's just really shitty you're the yeah. poet laureate of vampires yeah yeah that's, wow. that's the best you can come up with so pool must be real fucking thin guys so yeah <laughs> seriously so right next to like what the first two that i read i wrote my own spontaneous haikus right next to them because i was so mad so the first one uh that goes with uh the cream and silk how i long to taste and touch one i wrote fucking weirdo creep Stop with your try-hard shit poems. Get away from me. <laughs> that's <laughs> that already that better. Uh, and then the second one, I wrote, Annoying fuckwit, get out of my research books and stop stalking me. <laughs> yep. Because he used his vampire kinesis to figure out ahead of time which books Zoe might take out of the library while she was working on uh, her... Uh, ritual meeting, thing. ritual she was thing. making the ritual, and he wrote her haikus and stuck them in the books that she would. He believed that she would take out. Yep, not creepy yeah, at all. Not guys. weird at all. So fuck this guy. But of course, during the book, all of this is is painted as like, oh, very cool, hot, sexy. Yes, yeah, older no, man likes Zoe me. Ooh. Immediately runs to Stevie Ray and starts like gossiping with her, like, oh my god, Lauren Blake, that hot poet, totally came by and he was like touching my shoulder and reading me sexy poems. Oh my god, what should I do? I, but I still like Eric Knight and a little bit of my friend Heath too, which we'll get to later. <laughs> And they they just treat it like they, it's justifying it the whole way, basically. Like, oh, it's totally fine. Even though she acknowledges that, like, hey, there's some age difference here that might not be cool. Ah, whatever. It kind of turns me on. Therefore, it's cool because I'm the one that wants it, I think, is with the angle they're trying uh, to go for. Yeah. Um, yeah, and actually, Stevie Ray is kind of a shitty friend because when... Zoe goes to her about her boy problems. Stevie Ray's like, I think you should see Lauren behind Eric Knight's back. And I was like, yeah, oh, damn. Wow. Fucked up. And, like, and Stevie Ray, by the way, is painted as like the nice one of the group, that, but she's just as judgmental and bitchy as the rest of them. Side, Another sidebar again here. I know there's a lot of these, but every time Stevie Ray got brought up, I mentally replaced the description of her character with famous blues guitarist Stevie Ray Vaughan in my head. <laughs> In a right. wig and just like bouncing around as if he was like an oaky valley girl type or something. Yeah, so I mean that happened during the first book too. It was much more amusing too. that way. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is. Yeah, and Stevie Ray has some pretty choice lines whenever they're talking about boys. Uh, I isolated my favorite too. So when Zoe is telling Stevie about her encounter with Lauren when she like partially disrobed and he was like touching her and stuff, <laughs> Stevie Ray says. Man, I would have peeled off my shirt faster than you could say Bubba loves trucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. I have to think. It's kind of funny. I just Pretty... was like, 
But it's so absurd. Why would you be saying Bubba loves truck? Like, what? Where did that come from? I don't I, know. It, I guess maybe it's a southern thing, Paris. We're too north for that. And then, and then the second choice. Our, all our <laughs> northeastern things are just like, hey, fuck you, buddy, when you're coming out of the Duncans. Like, that's all we got. <laughs> yeah, in the northeast, when we're turned on, we say, like, man, I would have bought that guy a extra regular Duncans or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we handle it. I would have him the whole dozen. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have given him any munchkins if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh God. Anyway. Um and then the, my second choice. So Eric Knight is, you know, this award winning monologuist, I don't know, uh, actor. He won first place in the vampire Shakespeare reading yeah. monologue champion or the drama monologue reading championship. I don't forget exactly what it was, but He's so good and the best at reading the Shakespeare's that proof that he is the best boyfriend and the most romantic you'd see. Yeah, and then so they go to the ceremony where they're like announcing how everybody did and you know he he wins. And so he's reading so he's reading his he's doing his reading and like looking at Zoe the whole time as though he's like reading it for her, which maybe would be romantic except he's reading a passage from Othello about Desdemona. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, Desdemona cheated on Othello and Othello strangled her to death. So. Maybe and, it's just uh, foreshadowing for book three where a fucking thing actually happens of consequence. Oh, my God. I hope he strangles Zoe to death. But then the book would have, the books would have been over by book three. Um, then, like, from then onwards, just Eric Knight, the series yeah. instead, where he's just trouncing around the world reading Shakespeare monologues at various fledgling ladies. Sounds good. Um and and so that's interesting. I mean, Aphrodite even points it out afterwards. She's like, oh, haha, interesting that he calls you Desdemona. Better not cheat on him or he'll strangle you or something. And I was like, yeah, exactly, actually. That that doesn't make sense. And so Zoe, <laughs> after it's over, Zoe and uh, Stevie are cooing about how romantic it is, which doesn't make sense given the context of the piece he's reading. But furthermore, Stevie says, that was so romantic, I almost peed my pants. <laughs> Yeah. So he goes, me too. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, because that's what you do, you know, because when I'm, I'm feeling so rom- romantic, you whiz right there. <laughs> yep. That's the natural response. I'm so overwhelmed. I know every time I'm at a candlelight dinner with my girlfriend, I immediately just start urinating all over the floor. <laughs> I can't handle it. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, you know, that's why they make those like special adult diapers. It's because yeah, life is that's just so really, romantic. It turns out that you, you're just having a night. That's why you really want to have a, like a romantic bath. Because it's, you can just go right there and it'll all just drain away <laughs> yeah. right there. That's the best method, really. You know, leading cause of incontinence, romance, turns out. You know, just, yeah. just keep love out of your life and your bladder will be good. You know, Rock solid. Rock just never solid. love anyone and you will have the steel bladder. The willpower will be the greatest thing. Just the sheer clenching you're doing. Yeah, so this book is fucking absurd. I don't... Yeah. I just... I'm sorry that we keep talking about random shit, but it's just, it's all well, in there. It's not- This is a good opportunity with all the cheat and talk to talk about Zoe's third ro- romantic interest you see, because uh, what? You're Twilight, you only have two boyfriends? <laughs> Please. I can juggle three men, <laughs> yeah. Twilight. And so her third paramour is just her ex-boyfriend, Heath, again, who, because she drank a little bit of his blood in the first book becomes imprinted on her. So he's like just basically a needy texty boy boyfriend that just wants to try and see her all the time. So she meets, she runs into him at a cafe when she decides to randomly just jump, uh, leave the school for a bit just to, I don't know, 
I forget exactly why she did it. Uh, she just needed... She, I think she was just feeling nervous about the, uh, um the upcoming ritual and she she just needed like some time away or something she was just like oh i just gotta go do something um, so she runs into him at a coffee shop and then she's like i'm not gonna entertain him at all i'm just gonna leave right away he's been too needy about everything but then she follows him to his car and sucks his blood a little bit and also rubs his dick through his pants a little bit <laughs> yeah I, so, love how, I love mission how the- failed zoe <laughs> Everything escalates so quickly. Like, she sees him, you know, maybe like 50 feet away from her or something. And instead of just hightailing it back to her car, she just lets him walk over to her. And then they get into a discussion. And she's like, nope, definitely not going to go any further than this. And then she's like, well, guess I'll guess I'll go back to his car with him. Yeah. And then he pulls out a razor blade. And she's like, well, guess I'm going to suck his blood. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, it just... And yeah, so she's sucking his, like, he cuts the side of his neck in... in... Please finish the sentence, Maris. Please finish the sentence. And he cuts the side of his neck in the car, and she's sucking the blood out of his neck, and then she's also rubbing his dick through his pants, and then they get interrupted by a security guard at the mall. Well, by the way, can I, I, like, I don't, this, I mean, I've never, like, cut myself and then tried to get a boner after. Wouldn't there be some, like, weird blood pressure stuff happening because of that? I feel like I'd pass out or something because, like, know. it would be. Well, I don't. Probably not. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I've never done anything like that, so I have no idea. But uh, I'm not gonna try either. So yeah, well, don't tell me how that works. Actually, uh, yeah. if anyone knows how that works, don't tell me. I don't want to know. No, you know what? If you do tell us, please address those messages to Chris only. Uh, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> um, yeah, and so like, she totally fucks that up, and. You know, then she has to entertain. Then he's like texting her all the time. I guess he was already texting and calling her all the time before, and it kind of died down. But then she made it even worse. Imagine a needy guy instead of texting you, asking you to suck his dick all the time. He wants you to suck his blood. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. He's like, please suck my blood and also maybe my dick. But my blood is also yo girl, yo girl. I'll I'll, I'll hang on outside your school. Just come outside, suck my blood a little bit. Come on. (laughs) I'll give you that neck, girl. Yeah. All of this happens while, and all of this happened, I think, while Eric, Eric Knight, wow, I almost fucked that up. Thank you. While Eric Knight was away. Um, so she cheats on her boyfriend with her ex-boyfriend. Is it? I mean, like, do you count blood uh, sucking? Blood sucking and dick che- rubbing is cheating, Chris. Okay. Those are cheating <laughs> words. I- you put that up on the wall. Hang that right yep. up there. The rule number one. <laughs> blood sucking, dick rubbing, cheating. Um yeah. And then she you knows she promises to meet him again. And she's like, oh. Yeah, she doesn't really put out much of a fight. And she's like kind of conflicted about it, but not really. Even though for the entire book, she's making, she's calling Aphrodite like a nasty hoe bag. Even though as far as I know, Aphrodite was only with Eric Knight in the entirety of the first yeah, book. Yeah, right. So somehow she's more of a slut than you are, even though she only blew her boyfriend. Well, whereas and it's... You're- yeah, and, and it's interesting because a couple of times in the book, Zoe will acknowledge in parentheses, you know, at the end of a sentence, like, yeah, I know I did this thing, but whatever. Like, like she just... <laughs> just pass it over. Like I'm not the nasty hoe. Nope. It's Aphrodite because I saw her sucking her boyfriend's dick in a staircase. By the way, I stole her boyfriend from her after that. Yeah, so that happens. And then this whole time, you know, it's while she's... It's not Eric Knight's fault yeah. because... Yeah, and all this happens, and meanwhile, she's still daydreaming about having a relationship with Lauren after she kind of 
let him touch her weirdly and read love poems at her. Um, I mean, that that's just kind of weird. Uh, maybe don't do it again. But she still <laughs> wants all of that. So she's juggling three dudes. Um, and The unethical way to do it, by the way. She yeah. could maybe talk to all three of them and be like, hey, you know, I don't know which one I'm feeling right now. Although try coming out to, like, Eric about Lauren might be a little weird or something. I guess that's understandable a little bit. But at the same time, she just wants to lie to all of them. Yep, and that's what she does. And so uh, in the midst of all of this, Aphrodite, uh, her archenemy or whatever, you know, she's kind of disgraced. And Neferet, the headmistress and head priestess of the school, is like yelling at Aphrodite in her office one day. And again, Zoe just happens to be there. And again, much like, like anything that happens in this book, yeah. where Zoe just happens to run yep. into the plot accidentally. <laughs> yep, yep, the plot's just everywhere, everywhere she is. Um, and so she's going to Neferet's office to talk to her about something, but Aphrodite's in there again, you know, yelled at. And so she just eavesdrops even though she acknowledges that she shouldn't be doing it um and she even leaves her earring there as like and as like an excuse as to why she would have been there if anyone sees her she's like oh i can just pretend i lost my earring and then she just like tossed her earring near the door dude unnecessary um and she listens to the conversation and it's Neferet yelling at Aphrodite and saying like oh well your visions aren't real anymore you know the goddess Nyx has withdrawn her powers that she gave you your your visions are no longer accurate like get out of here I don't want to hear about your visions don't tell anybody about that because it's not real um you know and then somehow later Zoe and Aphrodite Zoe runs into Aphrodite while she's having a vision and. Literally just, like, happens upon her on, like, a garden path or something when she's, like, seizing or something. Good thing she was there. Yep. And Aphrodite is like, oh, I'm having this, uh, I'm having this vision. Uh, I'm actually going to read the passage because, um, she's like, oh, I'm having this vision where, uh, you know, I think, I think your, I think your grandmother's going to die. Um, she says, uh, oh, there's a, there's a bridge and, and. Uh, water, it's awful. So brown and so cold. It's all confusion. Uh, and I was like, oh no, grandma's gonna drink too much brown pop. Like, that's oh, all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because in this book, it's not soda, it's not Coke, or even fizzy drink. It's brown pop at every turn. God, everything is brown pop. That's They say brown pop in this book a dozen or more times. And every time, I just can't get used to it. I mean... Is 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 there, like, a different color pop? Is that why they have to make the distinction? Is yeah, there, like, I mean, white pop? Well, or like, Chris, you've had, you know, like, Sprite or something. That's, like, clear pop. Sure, but do they call it that is what I'm really asking. I don't know. I mean, they could just say pop I know or... They, I know they exist, but I want to know if the reason they put brown in front of this one is because there's another word for the other one. And I want to know what those words are, Paris. Maybe it's clear pop. Maybe it's <laughs> citrus pop. Maybe it's... I don't know. But brown pop is usually, like, cola, right yeah but why yeah. don't they just say cola coca-cola is trademarked but cola isn't like they could say a- i think pop is like definitely a regional thing but i've just never heard the specificity of brown there yeah it's 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 weird and so yeah when she's describing her grand like aphrodite's describing zoe's grandmother dying in brown cold water all i could think was that she was gonna die of like diabetes from drinking too much brown pop or something <laughs> yeah, instead of drowning that's really what's good you have to the visions are very interpretive you see actually they're not they're extremely literal <laughs> Yeah, there is, she has these very literal visions, like she's watching a TV show, basically, and she's like, yeah, see your grandma, she's going to get on this bridge at 3.15 on this date, and it's going to collapse, and her and a bunch of other people are going to die, 
And, and you know, and Zoe is rightfully, is like, how do you know what day it is? And Aphrodite's like, oh, I saw the date on the dash in the car. And I was like, since when do dashboards have the date on them? Maybe if you have, like, a fancy touchscreen thing that's, like, kind of iPad-like in your car. I mean, this was, like, Maybe? 2008. These oh, books yeah, came out. These books are, like, thing. a decade old. So I don't think... Yeah, I, that seemed... And also, like, her, you know, Cherokee grandma living out in the hills in her lavender field. I don't think she was driving a, you know, a Porsche Cayenne or whatever. Like, <laughs> I, I, I so doubt it. Um, <clears throat> So that was weird. I mean... I don't ever remember having a car that had the date on the dash, but maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe some cars do. And so that's not the really important detail about what's about to happen. No, here, no, it's honestly. not. So, you know, she, she's like, she's like, oh, but Aphrodite, your visions aren't supposed to be real. And she's like, well, you want to save your grandma? You should probably believe my vision. And I was like, yeah, she's kind of got you there. So uh, it's always like, fuck, what do I do? What do I do? And Aphrodite is like, oh, if, if I help you with this, like, you know, you got to promise me. Some, a favor and so you know zoe makes the deal with the devil and is like yeah i'll give you a favor and that that never materializes in this book i'm sure it does down the road um well first of all like at, at, at first zoe just runs to call her grandma and tell her just like i had this a, a weird feeling don't go on this bridge just like i promise me you just won't grandma and like grandma like well okay just be like okay i don't really go out that much anyway i was planning to go shopping for a bit but i can just wait till tomorrow i guess and then after that zoe's like oh yeah what about the other people? <laughs> yeah, what about all the other people on the bridge? I was honestly surprised she even had that much forethought. I was like, wow, okay. Um, I was fully ready for her to just, like, call Grandma and be like, okay, she's safe. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. But instead, instead, <laughs> we get the dumbest terrorist plot in the history of the universe. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dumb. So, so you know, she's really worried about saving everyone, not just her Grandma, because she was like, hey, Grandma, I know you were probably going to go buy me a gift, but, like, don't do that and you know she tells her grandma and grandma believes her because grandma Cherokee grandma you know she it's also magical she gets it yeah you trust the vampire thing man she's not like your loser parents exactly um so she tells her friends you know Damien uh Shawnee Aaron and Stevie and these fucking five musketeers decide that they're gonna commit a felony to save those kids <laughs> they're gonna commit the stupidest felony of all time they're gonna make a bomb threat, and they also they also have like a discussion about like, wait, who do we actually call about this bomb threat? And they decide to call the FBI directly and leave a bomb threat to them about a specific bridge over here. And their solution to be like, oh wait, couldn't the FBI track us? Is Damien pulling out his burner phone that he uses and be, just being like, here, use this burner phone that I've been using to make this bomb threat. In no way will this ever be connected back to us, you see. Yeah. Because burner phones are immune from all data tracking or something. Yeah, see, you say, you see, you just call it a burner phone and, and instantly it's fine. Like, a burner phone is if you you know, maybe buy a phone in cash at a store without cameras or something and then make the single phone call you need to make and then destroy it and also don't make that phone call anywhere near where you live or go to school or whatever. But they didn't do any of that. They made Damien's the call. has been using this burner phone, assumedly, yeah, for, to just make whatever calls. No, for gay trysts, like, Chris. It was pretty uh, specific about that. Uh, <laughs> 
Unless he specifically went to like a, a store where that he doesn't normally purchase those phones from, because I'm assuming if he has one burner phone, he goes through them frequently, right? Also, what kid doesn't have like a decent cell phone at this point? Like, why is he using a burner phone? Well, it's because his parents don't believe in him being gay, quote unquote. So he has to hide his gay calls i I, don't <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. i mean that's what that's what i mean that's that's why i was saying i think his it was like the okay, subtext sure. is that his calls but at were the same time other like, boys. like i was yeah like i was saying like unless this is like a random phone that he bought from a store he doesn't normally buy in cash and then never made a phone call until he handed it to zoe to make the bomb threat call of course they're gonna fucking find out yeah, who made, no, like where yeah, the phone came from no shit yeah not to mention they made the call from inside the house of night like inside yes. the vampire school so like dude i don't yeah but of course they get away with this felony and conspiracy to commit a felony like no one gets it's charged treated super casually like zoe just like offhandedly makes the phone call on the way back from i think the dick rub episode with <laughs> yeah yeah she just like pops one of those out real quick and it's just like oh i'm just gonna make a bomb threat to the fbi and then don't worry about it by the way that lauren blake blake is really hot huh and that just like moves on with her life and yep. there's no consequences nope. for it even though the cops show up a couple times because of some murders that have been happening around the house of night some like football players from zoe's old high school get murdered in strange circumstances that look like animal maulings and then the police are like obviously like well it's probably a fucking vampire <laughs> yeah really like hmm they seem to be drained of all blood and have a bunch of puncture marks and sets of two Looks a little vampire-ish. <laughs> so, you know, they, they question them or whatever, but, you know, nothing ever comes with... I mean, Zoe, Zoe doesn't know anything about it. Um, You know, it, it turns out it is connected to the House of Night, but at the time, Zoe doesn't understand why. I mean, she suspects something's going on, but... um, So, like, yeah, these two football players disappear. They were cousins. One was black and one was white, though, just like the twins, so you wouldn't know Diversity. they were cousins. They're <laughs> diversity uh yeah oh and remember if you date a person of color you've expanded your horizons that's it's so actually good. a line that's the in this thing that good people do yep <clears throat> anyway uh so yeah these football players getting abducted and like every time the kids at the school turn on the tv the news it's the same newscaster <laughs> on the same channel and she's always like Oh, and to recap from the beginning, and then she... Like, I've just been sitting here waiting for yeah. someone to turn this TV on. I'm trapped in here, actually. You know the what? vampires trapped me in here as the official newscaster for things that are going on in this dorm room specifically. No. <laughs> you know what's funny is I, I have heard of people who, like, when they were little, they thought that that's really how it worked, that, like, people were just in their TV, like, just hanging out, like, waiting for someone to turn the TV back on, like... Like, they didn't understand that it was a transmission. Um, so that makes sense. Uh, that's, anyway. what, that's exactly what's happening yeah. here. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and some somewhere along the line, Jack Twist shows up, and, and everyone's like, oh, Damien's got a new gay boyfriend. And of course, the two gays end up gaying it up together because gays. You have, uh, they have to go together. That's yep. how this works. Yep. Uh, I don't know. And then... They're trying to figure out, they're like, oh no, these, these, you know, humans keep going missing and it really looks like a vampire did it. What do we do? Um, but they can't figure it out. And then Zoe at the beginning or at the end, at some point in the last book, she saw one of the fledglings who supposedly died. She thought she saw them running around on the, on school grounds at night once. And then this happens again where she sees one of them 
one of the fledglings who supposedly died. So in this world, um, you know, when you become a vampire, your genetics kind of like, it's like vampire puberty, you know, you're get to a certain point and your genetics are like, all right, vampirism, let's try it. And then, but your, your body can like reject the change, sort of like rejecting a transplanted organ, even though that's not what's happening, but that's the best I can do here. Um, I mean, come on. They, they totally just like smacked that idea from their vague medical knowledge to explain why a process that your body would naturally go into would also like reject at the same time. Doesn't, I I don't know if, if it set it up in such a way that the species propagates that way, why would some of them not work? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really get that, but some of the kids die and it's pretty common. Like I think in the last book, two kids died. Um, and so Zoe starts seeing them running around at night with like red eyes. So it's pretty obvious that they're like zombie vampires or something, but she doesn't, you know, she, she just is like, Oh, I saw ghosts. I saw ghosts, but they had blood. I don't know. Um, yeah. So it turns out throughout the whole book, they're kind of setting you up to realize that Neferet, the high priestess is actually evil. Uh, they they really hand it to you a couple of times, and then you know, of course, at the end, they, pretty much Zoe has a bad feeling about her every time she shows up after she sees her yelling at Aphrodite because that just makes her not as motherly and matronly as she experienced her before. Now she's wondering, what is Neferet really like? Oh no! Yeah, and perhaps s- that has something to do with the title of the book being betrayed. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean. So, turns out Neferet's been creating these kind of zombie vampires. To st- I, I don't even know why. They don't actually explain it. Um, yeah, can we... This is a perfect moment to talk about how all of the world building and lore in this book is done in such a sloppy way and kind of like, not even fleshing anything out at all, because I don't know what happens in the different situations. Like, what if a vampire drinks from another vampire's blood? What happens if a vampire drinks a fledgling's blood? What happens when a fledgling drinks a vampire's blood? What about when the fledgling is drinking the human's blood regularly, like Zoe is with Heath? There's all these different variations that they tell you have slightly different consequences, but there's no clear explanation as to what happens in certain situations. So I have no idea... What the consequences are ever for one person drinking another being's yeah, blood and because, for any reason. Yeah, because Zoe is, like, reading about this stuff, and, you know, obviously she's been drinking Heath's blood, and it's, like, this very psychosomatic sexual experience. And then, but then, and she's, you know, she's like, oh, I know I shouldn't be doing it, but it's, like, kind of great. And then she sees Neferet getting her blood sucked by one of the weird vampire fledgling or zombie fledglings, and she's like oh my god, so vile and horrible. It's like, dude, how is it different? Like, I don't get it. You were doing the same thing. It's the same shit. Um, Like, two hours ago, you were doing the same thing. Yeah. And so, um, you know, uh, also, Stevie, her best friend, ends up dying in the middle of their ritual, or right after it. Yeah, like right after (laughs) the ritual. Let's talk about this ritual, too, because this is also connected to the poor world building thing. Where I don't have any idea about, like, the rules of the school or anything either. Like, in a book like Harry Potter, you have this cool scenes with, like, the sorting hat that kind of explain the different houses and all the sort of the different factions the school can be grouped into pretty nicely. There's all these, like, extracurricular activities and classes that are laid out that gives you a sense of liveliness to the school. Like, it's a real school. There's these rules and functions that, you know, the kids have to follow. In the House of Night series, I have I don't know how anything works besides, like, 
the, the classes are the same classes you would have in a high school, except with vampire in front of them, because vampire sociology is a thing. Hey, Chris, you forgot about you forgot about fencing and horses. Oh yeah, that's two <laughs> critical vampire school uh, things. You have to. It's basically it's it sounds like it's a LARPing school, maybe. Uh, it's that a would, LARPing school, that would right? Be like they're doing Shakespearean monologues and practicing like horse riding and sword play. It's a LARP school, dude. Pack. There's a LARP school, I think, in Denmark. Is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. It's an alternative high school where you can go and just LARP your way through high school. It's actually the House of Night. It's actually, yeah, it's actually called the House of Night. Um, anyway, like I was saying about this ritual being like, so Zoe is tasked with making up a ritual to sort of usher in her new ideas for the Dark Daughters and now Sons because she's allowing men in. And also because uh, with, it's, the, it's the full moon. And no, the Dark it, Sons were always a, a th- an offshoot of the Dark oh, Daughters. Okay. Um, well, anyway, um, she so because she's the leader now, she has to come up with like the the new ritual for the next moon thing. And she's promising, she wants it to, like, (laughs) exemplify all these ideals and attributes instead. So she just sort of smacks some shit together and comes up with this ritual, which we'll get to in a second. But the way that she just, like, puts it together and it's like, oh, it's super important when there was no structure or tradition before for her to even really... I mean, I guess she toppled, like, Aphrodite's thing, but it's not like Aphrodite was doing something that was, like, long held at the school. So all of this stuff, there's no sense of, like, life to the, the school itself or tradition or or anything like that. So it's just, it it, it exacerbates the paper-thin quality of everything. Yeah, it's basically just like, hey, you've heard of some New Age bullshit, right? Yeah, well, that's what we're going to do now. Um, And so all they do is, like, call all the elements and light some candles and they burn sage and eucalyptus instead of burning weed which was what the last shitty group of vampire teenagers did um yeah There's a cherry on top of this ritual though paris that we have oh. to mention that if you if for some reason you decide to read this book um i would ask you to do the same thing that i did and then i told paris <laughs> yeah. to do which is the fact that zoe mentions that at the top of the ritual she decided to have some musical cue happening it doesn't describe how like the sound system works so i'm imagining just some vampire kid vampire av kid with a shitty boom box or something pressing play yeah so that enya's alderbaron can play throughout the course of the ritual oh okay so this ritual though it gets better so there's like all this candle lighting and sage burning and element calling and shit but yeah, in the midst of it, you have an Enya song playing while Zoe is doing, like, vampire interpretive dance, and Lauren is reading a poem also <laughs> simultaneously. So there's, like, music and weird shitty poems and interpretive dance, and it's supposed to be this, like, really inspiring, like, oh, it's it's the full moon ritual, but it just sounds so dumb. And Oh, uh, you're just describing, like, Thursday night in Alston right Yeah. <laughs> Some fucking house. Oh yeah, this is yeah. You're right about that. Um, Local references. Yeah, uh, but the funny. So two two other things about this. She talks about choosing the specific particular song. Um, she talks about choosing this particular song, Aldebaran by Enya, because it's orchestral, and she loves how it's orchestral, and it's not orchestral. It's, it's like definitely a hundred thousand percent not. It's like okay. a synth. Like, There's like a synth thing that's kind of sounds like a pizzicato string a little bit, but it's most definitely a synthesized sound because of how sort of even it is. It changes a little bit over time. There's some modulation happening, but like 
it's definitely like a synth with a ton of reverb on it that's playing this arpeggiated part that's super quick and super fast that sounds like what a synth through an arpeggiator sounds like. And the only other thing that's vaguely orchestral is like the Enya huge vocal harmony layers behind that, but that's more of a choir thing than orchestral. And so I don't know what the fuck she's talking about when she says orchestral. Yeah, and and also she's like, oh, I chose it because Aldebaran is a star, and I wanted, like, and my dress looks like stars, and I wanted, I don't know, I wanted it to be new beginnings, so stars, even though stars are fucking ancient dead things, so, like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what she was talking about. Um, And the best part is that Aldebaran is a star, but the actual word means follower. Which is hilarious to me, given the context in which she chose this, where she's trying to usher herself in as the new leader, and yep. she chooses a song called Follower. <laughs> Can't even, you don't even get the fucking subtext Jesus. right. You're a literary, you're authors, right? You're supposed to get shit like this kind of right? Nah, uh, you, you fumbled this shit too. Yep. So, but again, this, this whole ritual just kind of thrown together feels like a microcosm of the approach to world building in this book in general, which is like really slapdash and uncaring. Oh yeah. And, and then, with no sense. Oh, oh, I'll, I'll let you go. Sorry. Yeah. And then, oh yeah, guess what? Um, special girl and her friends. Oh, guess what? Her friends are also extra special, just like her. And, and like during the ritual turns out or right before it, it turns out that all of her friends have affinities for individual elements. And Zoe herself has an affinity for all elements, including spirit, which is an element. I, guess, I mean, I guess Captain Planet kind of had that going yeah, too with heart. Because like, the yeah, elements here are fire, water, air, earth, and spirit, which is fucking Captain Planet. Which is heart, guys. yeah. It's, it's fucking Captain Like, I, was, I, Captain I wanted this ritual Planet, to end with all of this. He's a hero. Go gonna get suck your blood down. and rub your dick through your pants. <laughs> You know, I was trying to sing the real song, but that's oh. fine. You can also <laughs> sing about blood dicks. It's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I kind of wish I wish this whole thing had turned into Captain Planet because I would have been way happier. Um, what if yeah, he just burst into the book <laughs> randomly and started talking about saving the environment and shit? Well, Zoe and, would like, want to just... suck his dick and blood in a heartbeat. So <laughs> you know, it's not it's not as far off of a possibility as you make it seem. True, she has a fourth hot boyfriend now in the next book. It's uh, the strapping man with uh, I think green hair. <laughs> I don't know. No, strapping green skinned man. No, I don't yeah. think he has green skin. I think he has green hair. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, losing it um uh, and you know of course you know like i said we learned right right at the beginning of this ritual that oh her friends are all super special too and um stevie ray you know the the oaky farm girl has an affinity for earth and shawnee the the full you know the sassy black girl has an affinity for fire and her mm -hmm. twin Aaron, has an affinity for water and oh, the the super gay dude has an affinity for air because air is a is the feminine element, and it's like monumental that the goddess Nyx would grant a man the the air affinity because that's never happened before, and it's only for women. And he's just so feminine because he's so gay. And can we please stop doing this? Oh, yeah, Jesus, it's no, so bad. We're never gonna stop doing this. Oh, it's so terrible. And that's basically the whole ritual. It, it, like, it, I don't. Nothing really happens. I guess the Enya song ends, and they, the candles go a little breezy, and then it's done. And it, oh, it, well, they just move on. Well, after no. that, just like they move on from everything, except immediately no. after Stevie Ray dies, well, she no, just they're, they're, over it. <laughs> no, you remember they decided that they wanted to. Um, they wanted to really. You know, they want to start these new traditions and, uh, you know, erase all the bad stuff that happened before. So 
to commemorate this evening, they wanna they wanna make handprints in cement like oh, fucking yeah. four year olds at preschool. Like I. <laughs> I just like it's such a weird childish thing for what's supposed they to be this to really have, like, solemn a whole wall occasion of them or something yeah. like they want like like as new council members get ushered in they would also have the hand like what fucking wall are you gonna put this on just put your name on a thing it saves so much more space instead of like having individual hand plants plastered all around the place yeah. you're gonna run out of wall space really fucking well, quick and and the kids were like and they were like oh what if, what if we put our names on plaques and they were like oh plaques that's so dumb let's put our <laughs> hand prints in cement and it's like much more what? mature and timeless yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, so Zoe, Zoe, not Zoe, Stevie Ray fucking eats it at the end of the ceremony. She's puking <laughs> up blood everywhere. She pukes blood all over Zoe and she dies. The Captain Planet power is too much, despite yeah. her being the Earth character. Um, And, you know, they kind of, they foreshadow this a little bit because they're talking about how Stevie Ray is sleeping a lot and she's kind of looking sick and a little pale and kind of moving sluggishly and all this stuff. So she dies and... You know, everybody is uh, getting over this death real fast. Like, she dies, and within 15 minutes, they have already cleared her bedroom of all of her possessions. (laughs) And, like, and then Zoe, you know, like, later on in the evening, so a couple hours later, Zoe, in one page of the book, goes from, I'll never feel better, to, oh, man, I ate some soup, I feel so much better. (laughs) Yeah, she, like, her friends... (laughs) Like her friends who are like fucking fine and like being like, oh, you know, you just need some time to get over it. Like, bitch, it happened three hours ago. Why are you fine? And they just bring her some soup that she wanted. And then Zoe's like, happy go lucky again. Maybe I'll go meet up Heath again and rub his dick a little bit. Um, yeah, and also there's this scene where Zoe's covered in Stevie's blood, and she takes all of her clothes off and leaves them in a bag by the door and she's like I know my friends will throw them away for me and I'm like yo you know washing machines exist right like Eric Knight bought you this really special dress and it's got some blood on it so you're just gonna throw it away like you can get that shit out it's not hard like it's a black dress I'm sure the blood will come out you're not gonna see it um and and then that's right and then it starts like it started snowing earlier in the day and you know, as the story goes on, they're like, oh, um, school's closed today. And I'm like, excuse me, you're a boarding school where all the students and teachers live on site. Why the fuck would you close for a snow day? I Also, you don't even feel cold. Yeah, you don't feel cold. So it's not really a danger to you, theoretically, right? Uh, So that doesn't make any sense. So they're all, like, stuck inside. Um, um... She, Zoe has a, actually, I think this happened earlier in the book where she, she, uh, psychically goes to Heath and, like, watches him jerk off for a second and then goes back yeah. into her own mind. I don't know. But, you know, normal <laughs> yeah. vampire Friday night shit. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. And then Heath gets kidnapped. So the other two boys are found dead. Then Heath gets kidnapped. And, of course, just like in the first book, it's up to Zoe to save her human ex-boyfriend, boyfriend once again. Is that going to be every book? She just has to save Heath probably. from getting murdered by a vampire while she sucks his blood and dick a little That's bit more? That's like... probably true. I mean, they ended <laughs> up stretching this shit out to, like, 12 books and then, like, supplemental texts about, like... They, they, they fucking put out a book about, like, the mythology of the world of House of Night. And I'm like, what fucking mythology? Please, oh, please. There's 15 pages in that book. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. And so, you know, she's like, oh, no, I got to save, you know... Gotta save Heath, and I know Neferet's behind this now, and she takes her horse from the stable, 
And when yeah. she's going into the stables to get her horse, she's like, she's like looking around for the the equestrian teacher. And I'm like, what do you think the equestrian teacher lives in the fucking barn? Like, why why is she gonna be in here right now? She sleeps and- with the horses and the hay with them. Yeah, and so she takes the horse because you know it's it had snowed so much that the roads were impass impassable, I guess. So she takes the horse into town because she used her psychic powers to she, find Heath. She drew silence around her. You see, yes, also that, so that no one noticed the fucking girl running down the highway with the horse. Yep, the she, pale girl with like no winter gear or anything on on the highway with a horse. Yeah. Just completely ignored because of vampire magic, which seems to have varying levels of power, by the way. Yeah, it's the horseway. It's the horseway now, Chris. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, she... I, oh, that's right. Sorry, we, we kind of forgot to mention that. Because she sucked Heath's blood or he sucked her blood or... I don't know, whatever. They transferred blood and it means that they're psychically linked now. So she used her psychic powers to find him. She knows he's, like, in a tunnel under some abandoned building. I don't remember in town, so she rides... Tulsa bootlegger tunnels. Yeah, that... yeah, she rides there on the horse, whatever. Those are real, actually. Like, some of the stuff in this book is, like, the some of the landmarks are real, but that's about it. Um, you know, she rides the horse over there, and she crawls down into the tunnels, and she confronts all of the uh zombie vampires and oh no one of them is stevie oh no her best friend is a zombie vampire what is she gonna do that's a cold shot baby yeah and they have this weird altercation uh she basically she gets he's at the end of like a a dead end hallway where they're keeping him and i guess just like kicking him and maybe sucking his blood a little bit from time to time or something whenever Neferet allows them or whatever. I guess they murdered these other people for reasons or because they saw them or something. No, I I don't really know why. I mean, it's never explained. I assume that they kidnapped and drank all their blood to feed these zombie vampires. Like, that's what I understand happened. Um, Anyway, like, uh, the way that they get out of the situation is doesn't Zoe just say she's gonna leave or something and then she leaves like i forget (laughs) yeah she well she you know as in all all stories like this you know she you know all all the other zombie vampires are you know they're too far gone but stevie ray you know she just died recently and and zoe is her best was her best friend so she can she can get to the humanity and stevie ray even though no one else can and she kind of like hugs her and then she summons the earth to cave in that that section of the cave, so they're all stuck back there, like all the zombie vampires. And she Doesn't she do like a little flame hand or something. Yeah, yeah, too she did. Some... She did do uh, flame hand, and then she, yeah, she like rescues him, does the cave in, and then the police get there. I forget how. I think she calls them right on her cell I think, phone, yeah. Yeah. and they get there and. Oh, oh, that's right. Neferet gets there. She she meets up with Neferet, and Neferet, you know, wipes her memory or something. She just grabs her by the throat and goes like, you will forget all of this now, because she realizes Zoe has figured some shit out, possibly. Yeah, but then, like, she later remembers just by, I don't know, thinking real hard about the elements. She gets it's her- five pages later where she's like, oh, I'm having such a hard time remembering. My head hurts. Wait, I'll think about Captain Planet. Oh, I remember now. It's fine, you guys. Thanks, thanks. I just need you to blast the Captain Planet song at high volume. Um, really gets rid of the migraine. Yeah, and so she regains her memory, and it's like, instead of telling the police that Neferet was behind the murders, she just pretends a homeless guy did it. 
nameless yep. homeless man, and then has this weird catty banter with Neferet where she's like, I know what you did, and blah, blah. It's like, dude, isn't that incredibly dangerous and stupid? Like, you could have just had her put in prison. Why? Why do you want to continue this? It makes no sense. I, I yeah, just it's... don't understand. And even if there's, she was concerned... No, like, if the police are gonna... If they have the authority to, like, take people and vampires in, this would be the time to say something about it. Yeah, and, and like, if she's worried about them finding Stevie Ray and maybe killing her again, because she's already sort of undead, at the end of the tunnel, I mean, somehow the police didn't find them the first time when they went to rescue Zoe and Heath... So presumably they're not going to find them behind the cave-in. So she could just go back to the cave-in and get Stevie and like try to help her. So I don't, it doesn't make any sense. It it seems totally insane to put yourself in that kind of danger. Like, you know, the person who's in charge of your school and who is your mentor is actually murdering humans and is a horrible lying piece of shit who's turning dead kids into zombies for their own ends and you're just gonna and you're just gonna treat it like a you stole my favorite pink shirt like like it's not like it's, it's I, so weird I know the actual reason Paris what is it's it? It's because Neferet's the only faculty member with like any sort of fleshing out whatsoever at all so you need her in all the next books because there's no other like adult authority figure characters there's like the dragon fencing instructor that like is kind of there in one scene giving advice and then the horse instructor but they never have any real personality besides like yes I am here and I teach this thing you can talk to me if you want Zoe and then they're never seen from again so you can't yeah. just cut Neferet out by just turning her into the police or else there's no antagonist for the rest of the series I've been anticipating. Yeah, but, like, like they're writers. They created this stupid shit. They could create yep. other stupid shit. Like, I don't... I yep. Don't, that's, uh, that's what they're supposed to be doing, and that's why we're here critiquing this shit. Because I, mean, I don't think there's really any way to save this series at this point. We've read two books in, and there's just, like, unless there's a sharp turn in quality that would be basically... Uh, I wouldn't even call it the same series anymore at that point, if that's what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't understand... I mean, maybe maybe she wants to keep Neferet around because she wants to question her and, like, figure out how all of this stuff is happening. Um, but they never even really explain why Neferet chose to kidnap those football players. Like, all football players on the local high school football team? Like, why would... Like, yeah. those are some of the more high-profile people you could capture. Like, football players who are minors at a local high school? Like, why wouldn't you kidnap you know people that perhaps would go unnoticed i mean i hate to say it but like a homeless person or something you know i mean it's it's a sad fact of our society but you know if a homeless person goes missing a lot a lot fewer people are going to be out looking for them and put talking about them on the news and stuff so i don't know if she was like trying to frame zoe or something but the, i mean there was that necklace that was found or Aphrodite. I don't know. I mean, maybe she was trying to frame Well, I Zoe, think I, I have guess. the answer for you because if you open to the back of the book and, like, I don't know, maybe spoiler it a little bit here, but, like, there's a description of, like, the or like a tagline for the next two books. And for book four, it's Neferet declares war on humans. So she's probably trying to antagonize people or something, even though she denies shit's happening to the cops when they show up. So, again, that doesn't really make any sense even in that direction. Yeah. So... I don't get it. Uh, so, yeah. But... So many of the motivations in this book are paper thin down to the in, in the way that 
a lot of reasons Zoe will do things or tells her friends to do things because, oh, I have a feeling or another character just has a premonition, which isn't an earned way to like create investment in a situation or like a, a motivation for a character's motivation or anything. So everything, all the characters, all the setting, it's 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 a cardboard cutout. It's a sock yeah, puppet no. fan fiction Twilight show that kind of gets sexy sometimes, but it's like afraid to go all the way. Well, yeah, I mean, Chris, it's it's I'm a special lady. Some boy likes me. I mean, that's 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 all of these books always are. It's the same thing. A special three boy like Ooh, me. Oh, a three boy like me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Just some random notes that I had uh, when Zoe is rescuing Heath. She's like getting kind of weak. And even though they're in mortal danger because they're escaping this, like, cave-in, they're like, hey, let's take five for, like, a sexy blood break, though, right? Like, so you can get some more energy from me. He's like, yeah, just drink my blood. Man, and they, those, those boys all the time just trying to get you to suck their blood. Yeah, it's, no matter what the situation is, they're animals. It's a real animals. problem. Disgusting. It's a real problem. Um, and then Zoe, throughout most of the book, she's taught, or at least the latter, like, half of the book, or sorry, former former half of the book, first half, she's talking about how, oh man, I'm so accustomed to the dark, it's so easy to see, and I'm never cold. Oh wow, I haven't seen the sun in a month. Being nocturnal is great. And then, but then later she's like, oh, I'm scared to walk around alone at night. And because she saw the, you know, the zombie vampires who she thought were ghosts, and it's like, I don't understand why you're scared to walk around alone at night if you're nocturnal now and you're constantly talking about how great it is i also if vampires are up more frequently at night wouldn't there be more people out at night to see the ghosts right exactly like wouldn't people be going to or from classes but no somehow it's always deserted and it i like their classes go from 8 p.m to 3 a.m so like I, I don't know well, when I she I guess between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. when the sun come, starts coming out I guess. is when she see like, but even then, that would just be after school for everyone else, so wouldn't they just be, like, out and about? Yeah, and that's, like... like drinking on the quad or, yeah. like, you know, having a burger, or like... Or, like, riding their horses or whatever, yeah, like, they have extracurricular <laughs> stuff that they What do, do you do at vampire high school boarding school outside at night? I don't know, do you just smoke cloves over there, too? I, yeah, probably. Um, t- some other minor notes... Uh, Zoe noted a couple of times in the book that, that sure, she likes Heath and Eric Knight, but when she's with Lauren, that's when she feels like a real woman. And the implication is like, you know, woman can only really find themselves in a, in a man and an older man. Like a real man who has like his poet laureate shit together. He writes these creepy haikus. Let me tell you the epitome of masculinity. Yep. Um, Um, another note for you, Paris. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Uh, what sound does a cat make? Oh my god, I was just gonna say. Alright, so, this happened in the first book too. I don't know why these authors don't know what cats sound like, or maybe they have a cat with allergies or something in their (laughs) own lives. Because whenever they're writing out phonetically what it sounds like when uh, the cats and the- uh, Cats are a thing in this book, because, you know, cats and fucking spells and shit, they go hand in hand or whatever, familiars, yada yada yada, new age bullshit, insert here. Um, You- Instead of writing meow, like M-E-O-W, or or any variation on a that. Mrow, they, yeah, mrow, M-R-O-W, like any of the common kind of phonetic spellings of what it sounds like when a cat meows, they write me-e-uff-ow. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 
so I'm, maybe you're supposed to like blur them all together into like a meow I don't. I've never met a cat that that sounded like meow 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 I mean, I've met some cats who were really old or who had allergies or like nasal problems, and they sounded kind of silly but maybe it, it's like a i don't know it's like a gremlin <laughs> vampire cat yeah i yeah th- and, and also whenever they whenever they talk about cats in this book they always say oh the cat's complaining oh as the cat complained she meowed and complained like all cats do in this book series is complain it's the only way they're described <laughs> um and ag- another i don't know kind of accurate in my uh, <laughs> reading of the cat's temperament but no still it's like don't just use the same word and over and over again and uh another thing that i noticed where the writing really fell flat was whenever the authors are trying to describe anyone's tone of voice or emotion or like uh you know how their eyes look it's always icy and cold or warm and soft it's like it's like there are those fucking birds in dark souls that are like warm soft (laughs) fluffy warm (laughs) Pumperum, shiny, <laughs> you know, like that's what it's, it sounds like. Those birds wrote this book. <laughs> like that's what I think happened. It's Give just me smooth, smooth, silky, silky. yeah. Uh, like that's what it sounds like. And everything <laughs> is always icy cold. Like she looked at me with her icy cold eyes. Oh, her look was so cold. Her look was stone ice. Like it's just that shit the whole time. And it's like. You can't describe everyone's angry face the same. Like, I just, I don't know. The, this writing team, between the two of them, somehow only a very limited bag of tricks, as we can see by, again, how shallow literally everything is. And a good example of that is kind of like my final note on everything is uh, they, I think they're really trying to sell this, like I said, to like middle school, high school age girls. Yeah. And the humor level is kind of around there. At, at one point, they're making a plan. And one of them is like, oh, I'll, I'll see her around the time the cock crows. And then they all stop and say cocks and titter to themselves a bunch, which is just super emblematic of how everything in this book is treated. I yeah. would say. Like the, the general depth of everything. Yeah. That's occurring here. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, I don't know. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> you just said yeah five times like you're coming <laughs> to the realization. Sorry, I was, I was stuck on what we've been doing with our time. Um, my last criticism is... Actually, right at the beginning of the book, when they're talking at the parent-teacher meeting or whatever, parent-teacher-kid meeting, uh, they they phrase it in such a way, like the sentence is phrased in such a way that it makes you think that the teacher's parents are also coming. Like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like everyone's parents are coming, which is strange. Um <clears throat> You have the parents of the teachers also talk with the kid to see how the teacher's doing. Yeah. And if they hear anything bad, boy, are they, the teacher's in trouble. Let me tell yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, and they, they mentioned that all the teachers have the insignia of the school embroidered on all their clothes. And like, fuck, dude, how inefficient and expensive is that? Like, why couldn't you have just given everyone a pin of the insignia? Like, to have all of your clothing embroidered with the insignia? Like... It just seems so needlessly, uh, I don't know, decadent and and time consuming and expensive. I don't I don't understand. They could hey, you know, a pen might like you know prick you a little bit. You might bleed vampire blood, which oh, is precious. Yeah. So we don't want any danger of that. <laughs> yeah, I can't spill that blood. Can only give that to needy teenage boys. Yep. 
I don't know. Yeah. All right, so, Paris. Do you have anything else to say about this? Uh, like basic bitch seventh graders fucking <laughs> yeah. idea fan fiction. You know what? Twilight? You know what was really great about this book? When I finished it. Um. So the co- the copy of the book that we have, like, we always we try to mostly get used books. Right at the end, somebody put a sticker of uh of piglet clapping as though there's like a congratulatory like yeah you made it from little piglet and i was like uh. i was like you know I, i'll take that so i wrote a little speech bubble coming out of piglet and it says yay you survived this horrible fucking book piglet is pleased um and that, that uh. was that was that was where my mental state was at the end of this book um i read it all in one day by the way which is a terrible idea i don't recommend it yeah, you, like, inhaled this book really quickly as soon as I handed it to you. But that right there, that little piglet, see, that little moment, that experience right there, that is more artfulness than this entire series, I'm guessing, put together. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that little piglet is, like, our little patrons cheering us on. You're all little you're all little piglets, and we appreciate thank you. you. Speaking of, why don't we thank everybody right now? Yeah, for... so thanks to our, our five little piglets. Uh, <laughs> that sounds <laughs> terrible. I'm sorry, guys. I'm losing it. It's late. Uh, thanks to Dari, Greg, Veronica, Will, and Dee for being our wonderful patrons. Um, we will not blow your houses down. No, no. By the hairs of your chinny chin. I don't. This is dumb. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm backing out of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's move on. Uh, so we've got one more spoopy book for October, and that is Crabs: The Human Sacrifice, Book Six in the Crab series. <laughs> <laughs> nice, jumping right in the middle. <laughs> My guy right in the middle Smith. of all the crabs. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Uh, as recommended by Reddit user Dick Dastardly and voted on by listeners. So I know we're all really excited about the Crabs book. Uh, I just purchased it today. Um, so unfortunately. Used copies of Crab's Human Sacrifice are over a hundred dollars. So, oh wow, <laughs> some valuable stuff. Yeah, doing some real. Get the Antiques Freaks back over here. Yeah, well, I actually, actually, thanks to the Antiques Freaks, I um, I used a website that they have suggested in their like antique book episode or whatever, uh, to check the value because I was seeing crazy prices on Amazon and I was like, what is what is going on? I thought it was maybe just like, I don't know, just a weird fluke. But then I checked and yeah. Crabs the Human Sacrifice, man. Those original, those older copies are worth $126 or something. There's some that are worth even more than that. So needless to say, Ooh. I had to buy the Kindle version because uh, we were not. <laughs> oh, I thought we were going to do some like quality, like archaeological trash digging. <laughs> well, if uh, if anyone wants to gift us uh, Crabs the Human Sacrifice, great. But for now, we have the Kindle Don't version. Don't waste your money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so money. we're going to read that. I mean, it's, it's pretty short. So, um, you know. I'm sure we'll read it shortly, and then it'll be out on the 30th of October. So, Speaking of your money. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, uh, just a reminder to, uh, if you're not a patron, check out, check, uh, wow. I'm, <sighs> Chris and I are falling apart. We're sorry. Like, reading, reading these books and talking about them is, it's really detrimental uh, to your brain. So, it is. That's, I'm trying to do more good brain stuff. Yeah, actually, I, I'm also doing good brain reading, which I'll talk about in a moment. But uh, if you are not a current patron, check out our Patreon, please. Uh, also, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm on some podcasting and book places on Reddit, Facebook, and we have a Goodreads as well. Uh, please also give us a review on iTunes if you can spare the time, uh, just because it helps people uh, realize that the show isn't total trash and to check it out. Uh, and of course, share the show on social media and tell your book nerd friends and family about it. But, um, oh, shit, what was I going to say? 
Chris, what was I even talking about? I don't remember. Um, I was lost in the trance of getting up, making sure all the social media stuff was. <laughs> hit oh, on. Instagram! We also have an Instagram. God damn it! Yeah, yeah. There know. you go. Fucking, that's the, that's the one that was missing. Yeah, I was just about you know to say. what? If there's a major social media thing, we're probably there. So find us. Um. Oh, we were talking about good brain stuff because see, that's how good our brains are. The, <laughs> our member, our short term memory is just gone. Yeah, this is real bad. Um. Yeah. So I um. What did I? Oh, I finished. Some... I've been playing the Vigi games lately. Oh yeah, what, what's the Vigi game? You I played playing? the Spider-Man video game because that's super highbrow intellectual stuff. You see, <laughs> yeah, that was and not I what I was it expecting. Because I haven't played a character action game in a while, and getting around New York City is really fun in that. And that's I've also been watching Maniac on Netflix, which is a nice like what the fuck show. Like every episode, you just keep going. Wait, what the fuck? At the end, oh. so it's good if you like that stuff. Oh, cool! Yeah, I've actually I've been watching The Americans, which is a really great series. I'm almost done with it. Uh, it's about uh, director at ass Russian spies in the U.S. in the '80s. Uh, I I think it's really good. I'm usually not into like shows like that, but uh, I don't know. Uh, spy shit based on real history is really cool. I'm also cool me. currently reading. Uh, the Professor and the Madman. It's uh, about the creation of the Oxford English Dictionary. I know it sounds really nerdy and dry, but it's actually very interesting. Um, it, it just discusses the lives of the two men who worked so hard over many decades to create the Oxford English Dictionary, which is kind of the defining um, document for the English language. I mean, uh, before that, you didn't really have... Um, dictionaries that attempted to encapsulate the entire language. Like, you had sort of dictionaries that people would put out about certain things, but it wasn't everything, because I don't know, collecting everything seemed like a Herculean task, and and it was, but you know, these two guys managed to do it. Um, It's a really interesting book. It's pretty short, too, so I recommend you check it out. That does sound pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah. And I'm making it, you know, I'm making it sound like I just do dumb guy shit all the time, but I think a lot of my brain space lately has been dedicated to, like, my new teaching job that I'm trying to get, like, make sure I'm, like, on the right path with. And then also I've been, like, designing new aspects to my band Graveborn's live show. So, like, I've been designing this, like, audio system to help bring click tracks to everyone, some in-ear monitor stuff. And I have to learn, like, a light show on top of that, too, which I'm going to attempt to learn. Oh, uh, yes, the grave bot. I get a bunch of new things in. So my brain has been dedicated to learning about how to connect lights together and how to sync them to your, you know, uh, backing track that's on your laptop that you're bringing to the show and how to hook all that shit up so everyone can hear a different variation of click track and monitor mix in their ear and stuff. So, yeah, that's what I've been dedicating my brain to lately. Yeah, that's a whole lot of work that I would, like, I just don't care enough about, like, extra shit during a show. Uh, sure, like, but I, I mean, just, I, you whatever. know, you could always like pay someone to design a system for you, perhaps if you were ever interested in something like that. You know, uh, hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, 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 real smooth, Chris. Um, but yeah, watch out with that grave bot, though. You don't want it to develop sentience. True, um, I have to be very careful about it. Uh, oh. I still have to come up with a name for it. Grave bot. Um, so if any of my terrible book club listeners have a suggestion for uh, a robot, or it doesn't have to be a robot name, uh, any kind of name for this like little rig that's going to be traveling around with us and providing. Backing tracks, cue tracks, click tracks. It does have a robot voice that sits in my drummer's ear and tells him what song is up next and counts down into Chris, it. So it I is a bit robot I think you should name it Gorg. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. But I forgot to say, I did actually finally finish um, uh, Jonathan Strange and uh, Mr. Norrell. So I did force myself through it. I have a really hard time 
like just putting books down. I usually am I'm pretty stubborn, so I did finish it. And actually, it got better as it went on, but man, the show is so much better than the fucking book. And that's a weird thing for me to say. I'm usually like a book purist, but I gotta say, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, just watch the show. All right. Not well, that it was bad. It's just a- anyway, we'll talk about it later. But uh, I don't know. Check out our shit. Thanks for being patrons. If you're patrons, if you're not, get on that. Give us some money. We're funny. We try. Yeah. We read these horrible books cover Send to cover. Send us a review on iTunes and tell us how we could be more funny if you don't think so. Yeah. I, I, honestly, it's kind of hyperbole. I, I kind of think we're not we're not that great. So you know, if you want to yeah. give us money, that's cool. But I'm just I'm just being silly. <laughs> <laughs> well, way to like deflate the balloon there, fellas. We well, can... because. Because sometimes people don't get that I'm joking, and I have to I have to clarify. Like, no, I'm I'm not an egotistical shithead. I'm just being silly. Like, I'm just making a joke. All right. Uh, well, terrible book club. We're okay, I guess. Uh, see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Chris. Bye, Paris. Bye.